Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Housing Minister Owen Murphy has claimed he can do absolutely nothing to stop vulture funds from swooping on renters and evicting them from their homes amid warning the existing laws are riddled with loopholes, as he said. Mr Murphy repeatedly said it would be inappropriate for him to directly intervene in the cases after being heavily criticised by the Solidarity People Before Profit TD Richard Boyd Barrett. Now, Solidarity People Before Profit staged a tent protest outside a vulture fund's office yards away from Leinster House. During a morning doll debate, Mr Boyd Barrett said the government must act to address the growing problem. And I suppose there's a lot of people out there saying, well, sometimes evictions are a necessary evil. Well, on the phone at the moment is Richard Boyd Barrett. Uh, Richard, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. I mean, look, the housing minister doesn't seem to be doing an awful lot because he's more or less telling you, look, my hands are tied. You know, I know the bill is currently going through the doll at the moment, but his hands are tied. And you even suggested maybe we could do this temporarily while we have this emergency situation, that people could be guaranteed to stay in their homes for at least another five or ten years until things cool down a bit and we get this social housing that he's promised. I mean, but realistically, is that fantasy, Richard? Well, let's start by the fact of the, the particular cases that I brought in yesterday were people who were the victims of vulture funds, very specifically vulture funds. So they're not your sort of accidental landlord or your small landlord who has one property and might need to move his family back or her family back into the house, okay? Oh, well, tell us a story about Elaine, if you can, actually, because I think that's a good one. You talked about Elaine and, and her story. Well, sorry, Elaine was on a different day, Niall. I, think. I, I know, yesterday, I understand. Yesterday I was talking about three groups of residents currently in Dublin, over 100 individuals and families, who are being threatened with eviction uh, by vulture funds, okay? And de- those vulture funds are using loopholes in the law uh, which allow them to evict tenants on the grounds of sale or on the grounds of substantially refurbishing those blocks. But it is clear in all cases that these are these are sort of uh, investment funds that have no intention of staying as long-term landlords, okay? They have swooped in to buy properties. They want to increase the value of that property by getting vacant possession and driving the tenants out. In the case of one of the groups from Dunleary, this is the fourth attempt the Vulture Fund has made to victim. Now, these are people, working people, who pay their rent. They're good tenants. They haven't done anything wrong. But the people who own their properties are just trying to drive up the value of the property by putting, making them homeless. Now, the government has to stop that kind of behaviour. We cannot have people who are just but literally vultures. You know, I mean, they're... Well, the how, how, common, well exactly. how common is this behaviour? Because you asked the minister, you know, for numbers in relation to the amount of people who were in this situation who had been evicted because, indeed, vulture funds or yeah. the landlord had sold the property. The number he gave you was uh, over, well, it was over 2,500 uh, of those types of situations. And you yeah. basically said the minister uh, should certainly not massage the housing waiting list by taking people uh, who get HAP tenancies off the housing list. Now... In saying that, you know, this, as he said, there was 46,000 people, I think, in this country, or 40,000 people, should I say, families, on the HAP. Two and a half thousand, or a little over two and a half thousand, is not a lot. It's difficult to guarantee that somebody's going to be in that house forever, because in some cases, landlord circumstances change. Leaving aside the, the vulture funds, landlord circumstances change. Okay, well, for, first of all, the uh, the people who are threatened with eviction by the vulture funds are not just people who are in receipt of HAP, by the way. Some of them are in receipt of HAP. Some of them are people who might ha- have incomes that are above the threshold to mm-hmm. receive HAP. Uh, as I said, the vast majority of these people are working. 
uh, they're paying their rent, they're being good tenants, and then they're just given notice to quit, right? Now, that's just not fair. And in most of Europe, uh, that cannot be done, right? And we're not talking about sort of radical or socialist policies in the rest of Europe. We're talking about policies where... The well, it is a sector, kind of socialist policy to some well, extent. Now, Richard, I, I, I empathise with all those people because I know Ireland is in a very difficult situation. The rental market is out of control, right? Although it does seem to be stabilising somewhat. The prices are coming a little bit back down again. But it is out of control, and there's nobody denying that, you know, that the vulture phones came in here and what they called the great Irish sell-off, as they called it yeah, at the time. Yeah, so yeah. there's nobody doubting that we're in a bad situation. But to suggest that, you know, if I had a property, for example, and I'm not some sort of, I mean, people paint landlords of this person with a cape and a hat who wants to kill everybody. If I had a property and, you know, I'm barely making ends meet, I'm paying a mortgage on that property... Are you telling me that I should not be allowed to sell that property, provided I give decent notice uh, to the tenants who are in it? No, there's nobody suggesting that you couldn't sell the property. What we are suggesting is that the norm in the rental sector should be if you uh, rent out a property and then want to sell it, you sell it with the tenant. If the tenant is a good tenant who has abided by the rules, has paid the rent, there's no reason that if you are going to sell the property that they have to be evicted. You sell but you might want to tenant. sell that property to a you know somebody who wants to use it as a private dwelling, not somebody who wants to rent it out. That's going to reduce the value of the property if you've already got a tenant in it. It doesn't give the person you're selling it to an option. Yeah, but you see, the point about it is here, are we going to have a completely precarious, unregulated rental sector? Are we going to have a rental sector where the, the increasing number of people now, I think it's over 20%, of, uh, if you like, residencies are now rental properties. We cannot have a situation where a huge proportion of our population are in a completely precarious housing situation. It's not sustainable. And if we, if we don't recognise that, we are going to be dealing with a homelessness and housing crisis forever. It'll never stop, uh, because there will always be a few thousand, at least, families and individuals who will be facing the prospect of homelessness. Okay, and you, you said... You, okay, you pleaded with the Minister to even bring this in as a temporary measure for the next five to ten years, and let's see how things work out. Now, of course, he's talking about rebuilding Ireland and the development plan and pro, uh, projection for Ireland in 2040. Do you believe he's on track? Or anywhere close to being on track for that? I mean, he, he wants to provide 10,000 homes, uh, you know, and add, well, add 10,000 homes to the stock of social housing. Do you believe he's on track? No, I don't. Uh, I wish he was, uh, because the situation is so bad. Uh, I won't say there's been no movement for the government, but nothing like the scale uh, of delivery of public and affordable housing that would be necessary to actually resolve this crisis. Not, not even close. I mean, if you take affordable housing, we've been promised for three years affordable housing. This is for people who, whose incomes are above the threshold for social housing, but are not sufficient to buy on the open market. Now, that's a huge cohort of people. In fact, it's probably the majority of working people at the moment. Why, 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 not, why not push the, the minister for shared ownership? I mean, this is something that seemed to work back in 2004, 2005. I don't know why it was scrapped. It seemed to work quite well, whereby the state will be essentially the bank and take over half the property. And then if you have the option to pay it back at the end after you've paid your term, well, then fine. If not, you can continue renting it at a, at a reasonable price. So why not a shared ownership, which would give people who were, say, working, maybe on only about 30 or 40 grand a year, uh, the opportunity to buy a 300,000 euro house? Well, anything that would allow people on average incomes to buy a house uh, would be welcome. My point is that despite promises that we would have such schemes 
there hasn't been a single affordable house of any description delivered. We've had promises, but nothing actually delivered. And I, 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 was, I was looking at the prices of uh, Devony Gardens there this morning. Yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous. It's, it's crazy, but, it, but, it, but, that, but they're not even tangible houses. They're not, they haven't happened. Right? I, I, very few people can actually afford that on the salaries we get in this course, country. Exactly, and uh, the, the government are talking about an affordable scheme, which would be a discount on a market price that is already completely out of control. Uh, now, the, the, we know that the state is capable of building on its own land houses for around 170,000, €180,000, right? Now, that is in the bracket of affordability. And our argument has been, why don't they just build those houses on public land at those sorts of prices uh, and have an affordable scheme? But see, but Irish, people, but Irish people by nature, Richard, want to own their own home, right? We're very like the British, unlike Germans who like to rent, you know, most of the, the market is rental. We, we like, it's a kind of tradition, we like to own our own homes. And, you know, according to Owen Murphy, when we eventually get enough homes, I mean, and look, demand, of course, is, is there at the moment because the population has now increased to 5 million people in this country. Mm-hmm. So the demand is there. So when we eventually get enough homes, or certainly close to that, I suppose we're not going to have as many people on HAP schemes, we're not going to have as many people renting, and this won't be as much as a problem because of the laws of supply and demand, and that's his prediction for the future, isn't it? It's his prediction, but he is relying overwhelmingly, rather than the government building public, and I want to stress, not just building public housing, but affordable housing as well, and co-op housing, but on public land, where the state takes direct responsibility for providing both affordable rental and affordable purchase housing. The vast bulk of his Rebuilding Ireland plan depends on incentivising private developers to come in and do it for the government. Now, our well, we are argument, seeing it, Richard. I mean, I live in Swords, and they've now, they're going to develop a whole area there just at the back of where the Not on the scale, Niall. Not on the scale. That is necessary. Well, but I don't think I mean, a magic wand would, would, would do that. I mean, th- these things, unfortunately, take time. Now, I know that's not good enough for people before profit and many other people who like to have a go at the government on a daily basis. But, you know, these things don't happen overnight. I understand I, there's I, unnecessary delays. I do I, understand listen, that. Listen, to be, to be honest with you, I've been dealing with this crisis for the last 10 years, okay? Now, I, there's nothing I'd like more than not to have to talk about it, right? I have no interest in, frankly, pot shots of the government for the sake of it. The reason I feel compelled to keep talking about this and pointing out the deficiencies is because every single week I have to fa- face a trail of individuals in miserable circumstances who are in emergency housing situations or who are working and can never hope to put a roof over their head and are simply desperate, right? So until that stops happening, I'm going to keep talking about this. Uh, and the, the, the scale of what the government are proposing is just not up to scratch. I mean, their own targets say that last year they should have built 25,000 houses of all kinds, public and private, but they only built 18,000. This year, I very much doubt they will meet their own targets. And every year we fall behind the delivery of housing, the backlog increases. But we are seeing the market changing. We're watching house prices in Dublin drop slightly, which is a good sign. It just goes to show you that certainly the supply is starting to come close to where the demand is. When that starts to happen, naturally the market is going to change. Naturally the rental prices will go down. Um, these things, as you know, are cyclical. They, they just happen all the time. They happen in every economy on a regular basis. But I, w- I wanted to ask you about something else. In relation to evictions, uh, and I know you're bringing in the anti-eviction bill, yeah. is, is there ever a reason why somebody should be evicted from their home? Do you believe? Yes, of course. I mean, if, if somebody is a complete menace to their neighbours, if they're just not paying the rent willfully when they could pay the rent, you know, there could be all sorts of... If they're strategically not paying a mortgage? 
Yes, I mean, if people are, I, I don't believe the numbers out there, you know, that some people try and say that's the real reason we have a lot of people in arrears. I don't really believe that. But are there some people? There could well be some people, right? So, of course, there are circumstances. And by the way, the bill, our anti-evictions bill, does not say under no circumstances can there ever be an eviction. It doesn't say yeah, that, Yeah, but Richard, right? but you, by your own admission, Richard, you, you'd like to see a referendum and put it into the Constitution that everyone has a right to a home rather than a shelter. Yes, I do believe that a roof over the head of every citizen should be a basic right. And by the way, that's in the European Charter on Human Rights. And I don't disagree. I don't disagree with everybody has the right to shelter and everybody has the right to roof overhead. But do you believe that Irish people, I mean, comparison to other countries around the world, we have a reasonably good system here that provides housing when it's available for people. And, you know, we've heard stories recently of people being fussy. I don't want that house. I want to live near my mother. I want this house. And that's not big enough for me. I have three kids. I don't want... Sure, you, I, do you think we're... Are we, uh, has our sense of entitlement risen? No, I honestly don't think you're fully grasping what's happening out there, okay? About... At current market price, now you're saying, oh, they're going to drop eventually. I don't believe that, right? They may be... Well, they, well, they have dropped but, but in the last, on, in the last couple of months. Dropped, they dropped 0.7% in Dublin, okay? Which is 0.7% on completely unaffordable prices, where you'd have to be earning €100,000 a year in order to purchase them, right? That means that currently in Dublin, about 70 to 80% of working people cannot afford to buy a home. The rents are similarly unaffordable. And there's no delivery of public housing, okay? This is a very serious situation where a whole generation of people are being locked out of any kind of secure, affordable okay, but, housing. Okay, let me ask you the one more question. And, and I know you're busy today, apart from that, and I know you have a chest infection, but the way, and I hope it gets better. Thank uh, you, thank but, you know. <laughs> but in saying that, do we need to rethink how we are designing our cities, our towns, our villages. I mean, when you look at the way Ireland's population has grown, over certainly over the last 20 years, uh, do we need to rethink how we're doing things? We've got, you know, a lot of people living in the centre of a city who, I'm not having a pop with them, I'm not being judgmental, who don't work, who don't need to be in the centre of a city, where we have a lot of people living outside a city because they can't afford to live in a city, who work in a city and need to be in a city. So do we need to rethink how we're doing this when we talk about social housing, uh, the HAP scheme, for example, and people who necessarily don't need to be close to the city and and redevelop areas outside the city? Well, of course we need rational, planned... Uh, development of our cities, of course. And by the way, it's not just what happens in the cities. I mean, if we stopped destroying rural Ireland, we wouldn't have, uh, if you like, uh, such pressure on our cities. That's why we also have an interest in supporting our rural brethren, like the farmers fighting to, to maintain rural Ireland. Because if rural Ireland is destroyed, we'll have even more pressure put on the cities, on the housing, on the infrastructure, on the transport, and so on. So, of course, we need to rethink this. But I do want to stress, I'm not quite sure who you're referring to when you say people who don't work in the city centre. At the moment, we're near full employment, right? The jobs are available, and the vast majority of people, when given the opportunity to work, work. But the problem is, even if they're working now, as teachers, as nurses, as on average industrial earnings, they cannot afford the rents or the property price. Yeah, but you missed the point I'm making. There's a there's a cohort of people, and a cohort sounds like some sort of defamatory term, but it's not. I'm not meant to be. Uh, there's a lot of people in the city who are not working, and who probably aren't going to work. And they may be on a job seekers allowance. They may be on a disability payment. I don't know what they might be on anything. Right? Who don't necessarily need to be living in a city, 
And there are many thousands of those. And those properties, I'm not suggesting, by the way, we start turfing people out or kicking people out or sending bailiffs around to remove people with their children. But maybe if we offer people, like, if I was living, if I was a mum with two kids and I wasn't working, and I'm probably not going to be, right? And I was offered, and rather than the two-bedroom kip I'm living in in the middle of the city, I was offered a nice three-bedroom house in a nice estate outside Dublin, which would be much more affordable for the state and much more, and certainly much more comfortable for that person. I'd happily take it if I was incentivized. Why don't we do that? Why don't we rethink the way we do things to make those properties then available in the city, which in turn would reduce uh, the, the market, it would reduce the price of the market? Well, Niall, I have no difficulty with voluntary schemes to, to mm. people, uh, no, no difficulty whatsoever. But uh, I would have a, a difficulty with suggesting that that in and of itself is going to solve this crisis. That is not going to solve the crisis unless the accommodation that's available in Dublin city centre is affordable to average earners, right? And that is not happening. What's actually happening is there is a process of gentrification and social cleansing, I would go, go further, uh, of the, the inner city where vulture funds, cuckoo funds, and so on, uh, are buying up property, building incredibly expensive rental units in the Irish Financial Services Centre, in the north and south inner city, which are completely unaffordable for ordinary working people, but where vulture funds and cuckoo funds who pay next to no tax are making a fortune charging 400 and 500,000 for an apartment charging 3,000 euro a month I mean, this is just absolutely unsustainable alright that's what we have to address ok well listen thank you very much indeed Richard Boyd Barrett I appreciate you coming on the show today alright All I right. hope the chess gets better alright cheers thanks cheers thanks Alright, loads and loads of people text again. Um, he said near full employment how come there are no layoffs in the Dole office? Oh, I get what you mean. Well, I, they don't lay people off in the Dole office. It's not actually, it, years ago it was called the Dole office. It's not an office anymore. It's an administration. When people, when less people are needed in that department, they just move them to another department, don't they? Or they assign them another duty. That's not the way it works when you're a civil servant. Okay, keep texting, keep WhatsApping. The number's 87 188 I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago to Richard about, you know, evictions being necessary evils. And I want to know today, do you believe that evictions are necessary evils? Because, of course, Richard believes unless somebody's taken the piss completely, they should never be evicted from their home. In other words, unless, you know, they're, as he said, unruly or not paying the rents or whatever it is. Do you believe that people should ever be evicted from their home? Let me know what you think. Uh, the number is 087 And you've listened intensely, I'm sure, to what Richard had to say. Donica, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Donica? Not so bad yourself. Good. Donica, I mean, you're against vulture funds and evictions. Yeah. Um, but you believe the system makes it necessary? Yeah, that's it. Like <clears throat> listening to, I just remember I was waiting to come on now, listening to Richard. Like he's trying to be all things to all men there. Like he's saying, you know, he wants to help the farmers, but yeah, he wants to build build all this social housing in in Dublin. So where is he getting the money for that? You know, mm-hmm. and I, I I don't understand. Well, I suppose the point he's making is we're already. But but the point he's making, we already spend I think it's twenty five million a month on the HAP scheme in Dublin alone. Yeah, so like, I mean, that's a lot of money, isn't it? The, yeah, but if you give the, the government twenty-five million euro, what are they going to come away with? Like, do you know, when was the last time they were able to get value for money on anything? Do you know, it's, it, the government isn't able to handle this. Like, and that's just like it's it's rules and regulations. Like, I'd, I'd even hear out in the west of Ireland, it's it's a, a fortune to build a house now. Like, you know, years ago, like say back in the in the seventies, I remember farmers telling me that you could sell twenty cattle and you could build a bungalow with that. You know, like that's compared mm-hmm. to now, nowadays, now with different rules and regulations. And like even up, say, in Donegal, if, if you build a house up here, 
the, the council they want three thousand euro as a connection connection fee to so that you know you'll have water and all coming into your house. But the thing is, is that you give them a three thousand euro for permission to connect your house, so you have to do it yourself anyway. Yeah, so you're so giving you're giving them three thousand euro so they can charge you a bill for the rest of your life. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and then they won't let you. Then if you've a well, if you've a well on your land, that's perfectly good water, better than what you get out the tap. You're not allowed to use that. Do you know what? You can't you can't collect rainwater. You can't. Yeah, you know, it's it's crazy. Like they're bringing in all these rules and regulations, uh, trying to saying that they're making things better. But at, but in fact, the they're making the day, it more difficult. Is what you're saying? Exactly. Like, yeah, like they're, they're they're crushing us. Like people just give up. Like you know, unless you've got a, a serious job, you know, in comparison to people in the west of Ireland, like you're still only renting, you know, one of one of these houses in, in a ghost estate that was built. You know this. You know, ten percent full in Leitrim, like you know, that's mm. where everybody's living. Leitrim, Leitrim. Everybody mentioned Leitrim. I believe there's seven thousand vacant properties in Leitrim, by the way. But so, why doesn't everyone want to move there? I'd say there's seven thousand vacant properties in a couple of villages. Like, you know, it's it's, mm. it's crazy. Like, the, like say now in the north of Leitrim, you have places like Kinloch, and it's it's just it, for the amount of houses in it, there's very very few people. Like, there's a couple of completely empty housing estates, massive housing estates. Uh, that they were half finished, and now they've been left that long that there's been stuff robbed out of them, the copper taken out of them, the whole lot. There, it, it looks like a war zone in, in a lot of them. The Kinloch's a lovely place. Well, see, the thing, well, yeah, but the thing about it is, the government could go in there and renovate all those houses, as you talk about in Leitrim or other places around the country similar to that, and people won't move to them. And th- that's the problem, that we have allowed, in some sense, yeah. people to be a little bit fussy. Yeah, but do you see then, like what they've done, like say, during the boom in Leitrim Village itself, they done it the smart way, like they allow people in the village to to build one off housing, and and that place is thriving still today. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like whereas whereas in in Leitrim, all you need is the say the, the factory, the what's called the medical devices factory in Sligo to close down, and suddenly you've got a large large population of one village that are unemployed. You know, it's uh, it's. Uh, Everything's kind of centralized, like becoming more centralized. Like even even if you think from Sligo, jobs are moving down to Dublin, but even from the rural areas, they're moving into Sligo, kind of taking that up. But eventually, that's going to stop. Like, and okay, well, what, what's the what's the answer to Richard's problem? I mean, and well, not just Richard's problem, uh, but people for profit are arguing. What is the answer to this problem where you have completely unaffordable prices? In a city, I mean, when you take the average house price in this city now at the moment, in Dublin, for example, is probably around three hundred and seventy thousand euro for a three-bedroom house in a housing estate. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, it's completely unaffordable for the average person. So, what do we do? Well, this this is this is what goes back to the vulture funds now. Like, if if you look at a lot of them vulture funds, they're all shell companies, mm-hmm. and there's. There's organisations that run them, it's specifically in the north of Ireland. Like the, the, they're absolutely the pure land barons. Like that's Cerberus. I think Mick Wallace brought it up in the Dáil one time. But that is that's all tied in. You know, oh, the yeah, they, they go under like, all different names, like real estate, real estate investment trusts, and private yeah, equity it, firms it, it, it and hedge back, funds. Uh, yeah, it, it, it all it comes all, back to one thing. Back. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it goes back to the orange order. Like if you look, even in Donegal, if farms go up for sale. Like Donegal has the least amount of land for sale out of all the counties in Ireland. Like Leitrim is the highest, funny enough, or one of the highest. But Donegal is the least because there's a thing that goes on called uh, colour coding, which is basically if the Orange Order or any of their subsidiaries get control of a farm or a housing estate or anything like that, that's it gone from the general public. Unless you're a member of their club, you're not getting it. And that's the same thing that's happened down in Dublin now with uh, office blocks and 
uh, houses, and they're doing it up the north as well. Like they, they own like, streets and streets of houses, and what they do is they, they run them down to get people out, and then they restock them with people. Well, I, I was I was up in Dunleary there recently, and they mounted new apartments up there in Dunleary at uh, apartment complexes and blocks, and all of these are all owned by vulture funds. Yeah, yeah. That, but mind you, they do. There is rules and regulations. You know that, that you know when people yeah, buy them, they can't sell, or rent them. They can't sell them. Yeah, but, but they, that, that's the thing. Like as well is that like, the people that's making the rules are you know they might be directly profiting from this, but they're profiting from the same system. Like you know, like people always go on about that the TDs are landlords as well. But like they have big like who was your man? Uh, he was the green spokesman or something that uh, had had shares in an oil company, and so he was like, "Oh, sure, I didn't know that." But mm-hmm. like. You know, like, obviously they have too much for them. You know, they have too much if they don't even know what they have. Yeah, but of course, if they have skin in the game, they're hardly going to go out, go out and campaign against it, are they? Yeah, but, I mean, okay, and, but in relation to these evictions, when you see, you know, people who can't afford their rent or a landlord is selling up, do you believe the landlord shouldn't be allowed to basically sell a property without selling the tenant in it? Uh, oh, yeah, well, yeah, like, if, if you know, like, with the contract, there should be a, a, a reasonable amount of time in order to in order to try and get them somewhere else, like, you know. But, but, the, but that's not what they're saying. The anti-eviction bill is saying that if I own a property and you're renting it off me, Dunnock, for four or five years, that if I want to sell that property, I have to sell it with you in it. And, yeah. that, and well, that's yeah. it. And then the, the, the next owner that buys it, you know, whether he likes it or not, he has you as a tenant. Oh, yeah, uh, unless you, you know, piss you know him off. Like, if there's a contract saying that's it, like, you know, and that's, they use it. You can use it for tower benefit or to their benefit. Well, like, that know. kind of takes away the rights of the landlords, and it's going to discourage landlords from wanting to rent properties in the first place. If I, if you yeah. know, if I was a landlord, sure, that would discourage me, wouldn't it? Yeah, but you're only going to invest something in somewhere else. Then, in that case, like you know, yeah, but you're you're suggesting that all landlords are investment landlords. They're not most most landlords are just people who happen to have a second house. They might have bought yeah, one during I, the good times. Yeah, but like, sure, the landlord if they're buying say a second property. For for an investment, don't they know that they're going to get you know, their rent out of it? You know, like it, it, yeah, but I, but if I'm down on my luck and I'm a landlord and I think right, shag it, I'm going to retire. I'm I'm sick of this. Carry on. I'm just going to sell this house, get a few quid. I might move off to England or something like that. I, but it, it reduces my possibility of trying to sell it if I have a tenant in it and I can't sell it without selling the tenant in it. Why can't uh, just like the old days or well as it is now, just say to the tenant, listen, I'm selling up. There's your six months' notice, um, and I'm sorry. Yeah, but, but like, you know, that's back to kind of a liquidity issue, as they say. Like, you know, like if you're if you're signing a contract for, you know, if you're if you're if you have them in for say three, like on a three-year contract, say a long long-term contract, you know, like you have to you have to honour it. Like, and if you want to get rid of it, it's not a liquid asset at that stage. Like, you're in, at that stage, it's 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 basically shared. Like, you know, um, what would the word be? Uh, kind of a shared um, responsibility for it at that stage between. Okay, the, the all right. Not breaking his terms of the lease and the landlord keeping his terms as well. Like, all right, okay, listen, yeah, I suppose they do that in business all the time when it comes to staff. It's called the law of continuance. John in Cork says, I don't know who he's directed this at me or Boyd Barrett, but people are entitled to live where they want. Get that to your thick head. Uh, John, you're absolutely 100% right. People are entitled to live where they want, provided they're buying it themselves. Get that to your thick head. Uh, cowboy landlord are the biggest problem. 48,000 euro tax-free at landlord pocket from rent payments. No mortgage paid for the last four years. Uh, bank people are at my doorstep. Okay. There's over one million people in this country not born here and the numbers are growing rapidly every day so we will never have enough houses in this country until we are out of the EU, especially before Turkey joins with 80 million Turks. Uh, join a final, uh, fully 
and flood this country, says Damo. I don't know, Damo, exactly what you're talking about there, but I understand what you're talking about, Turkey. Uh, another person says, I never agreed with anything Comrade Boyd Barrett has to say, but surely if Ireland can initiate NAMA to take care of developers, etc., we can create a similar governmental board to take care of our citizens who legitimately find themselves in mortgage arrears. Uh, keep texting, keep WhatsApping. The number is 87 Is there ever a reason where somebody's renting or indeed has a mortgage to evict somebody? Robbie, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Robbie? Not bad. And yourself? Good, Robbie. Must be the end of the show. No, it's not. Actually. No, no. Cheapers. I just had to wait until you paid the bills this month. <laughs> Robbie, you disagree with Boyd Barrett? Not entirely, no. I, I think, like, if, say, you and your wife were selling the house and you had um, tenants in it, I mean, look, you can't sell with tenants in it because the two people are moving in could be me and my wife who want to move in it without tenants being there. Yeah, who want to live in it, so it's going to reduce the yeah, value, yeah. Yeah, just on that point, I just think... I think that was just nonsense. Like, you know what I mean? If, if somebody wants to sell the house that they own, they can sell the house that they own. I mean, well, yeah. well, well, his point is, if you have a tenant in it who signed up to say a three-year, you know, rental agreement, and you're selling in year, you know, year or eighteen months later, that you have an obligation to leave them there for the three years, even if it's been sold to somebody. That's the point, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. I mean, look, I mean, there's also the point is that if the three years is up, you can just tell the tenant, look, sorry, but we're selling the house. Your time is up. You sign for three years, you're gone. You know. And that that's that, you know, so it's it works both ways, I guess, you know. I mean, the whole thing, is there people out there who are extracting urine, just say, um, on rent and not paying rent? Yeah, absolutely there are. And we've seen some high profile cases in the newspapers over the last couple of years as well. And it's not just the low income men the things as well where people are are not paying a mortgage or a rent, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. But I mean but we'll, we'll, we'll stay there with because I want to bring Maliki in as well. Uh Maliki you're on classic hits. Hey do Maliki. Uh, you've been, you've heard what Robbie said. You know he disagrees, but agrees with part of what Boyd Barrett well, said. I think we're probably in the same boat as Robbie there. <laughs> right. With Maliki, stop! That's twice now. That's twice. <laughs> that's, we're making a um, of this. We might disagree on, on different things. On <laughs> um, well, firstly, you know people should be entitled to do what they want with their pro- property. Now, most uh, residential tenancies are only for twelve months, so there's sufficient time in that for people to you know be told your tenancy has not been renewed because we're selling the property and people should be entitled to do that but this nonsense you know that that being a landlord of a property is somehow some kind of a cash cow for people is nonsense the amount of tax and the amount of regulations that have to be complied with mean that vast numbers i sell properties for clients every day of the week and almost anyone that's in the landlord business is getting out any of my clients they're selling properties. They're getting because it's too. The return is not there, despite what people think. And how is the return not there when we see massive rental costs in Dublin, for example? Well, you're seeing. Well, firstly, you're you're seeing um, re- huge rental costs. Um, you're seeing huge rental costs, but you're also seeing h- huge costs in in buying. You're seeing huge costs in. Um, complying with the regulations, you're seeing a huge tax take from what's left. Mm. And that's one of the, the biggest... People think that it's all tax-free income. Um, no, no. No. And, and it's not. Now, and this other thing that properties are 300,000 people can't afford, I have sold a number of apartments in Ballymun there recently for 160, 170,000. Not for me, for clients, obviously. Not mine. So, you know, it is affordable. But what I notice, that anybody that's buying are non-nationals. So there are people who have come in here and who are working and are prepared to save to get the deposit, which Irish people, by and large, are not prepared to do. Irish people still want the, the, the big house. They still want 
the two cars. They still want the holidays. They're not prepared to actually save for to get a deposit. No, that's leaving aside any of the, the banking problems and all yeah, of but that. I mean, I mean, a deposit of thirty thousand euro is not that easy to come by, is it? Well, you see, if you take, for instance, a, a, a couple of non-nationals who are in here working every hour they can, on, generally on the minimum wage, or many of them working in the, the health system, for instance, as carers and, and nurses and that kind of thing, they're able to do it because they trimmed their lifestyle to allow them to save. The other aspect of this is, and the, the figures came out the other day from, I, I think, the central bank or somebody, that everybody here who has a mortgage in this country is paying far in excess of anybody else in Europe, and they reckon that 2% on people's mortgages, which equates to 80000 over the, over the life of that mortgage, yeah. is directly attributable to the banks not being able to repossess properties. The problem in this country is not that we've repossessed too many properties, is that we didn't repossess enough of them and we didn't repossess them quickly enough. But if we had have repossessed all those properties that you're suggesting, um, what would have happened is you would have had more people on the housing list and it would have cost the state more money to build social housing to put those people into. But, no, so you're back to square one, yeah. aren't you? Yeah. Well, why, why should all of your listeners who have mortgages pay 80000 in their lifetime so that Johnny down the road can stay in his house without paying for it, without paying the mortgage, because the banks can't evict people, and it takes years once the process starts to actually do that. So and just that's 80,000 out of your net income, so that's probably three years' salary. For and the- how long has it taken to evict people? We've seen a couple of high-profile cases in the paper recently, oh, celebrity out. cases, uh, and you know, they're going, they seem to go on for seven or eight years. Yeah. Yes. I think it's about six years in total it takes because once you start going into the court cases and then it can be endured three or four different times, yeah. I think. Mm. And, and then when the they boy, bring you back and, and they you'll have give the boy Barrett then protesting when them people are being thrown out. You know, I yeah. know people who haven't paid a mortgage since two thousand and eight and they're still in the house. Mm. You know, if if you go and buy a car on HP and you don't pay for it, they come and take it back straight away. And your house shouldn't be any different. It's only well, it is different. You don't live in a car. The, thing, though, the one thing, yeah. Maliki, I, I have to say, though, that like the generalisation of not everybody saving up to, to buy a house, there are certainly plenty of people out there who are out there trying to save up and buy a house and are cutting back. But I, I do get what he's saying, you know, Robbie. There are people, and I know people, who are whinging about the price of houses, whinging about how much it costs and trying to save for a, a mortgage, uh, and then they're sending me postcards and text messages on their holidays. But well, the one thing that uh, you know I mean? Mr. Boy Barrett was right about... On the Canaries, state, whenever it happens to be. But the state has to start looking at that affordable housing because he's right. There is a large, large percentage of people living in Ireland who need to... That's probably the one thing we do agree on, Robbie. The, yeah. the, the state yeah. has to start building social housing. I'll give you an example for well, it. Well, well, hang on, hang on. Give me an example after the break, Malik. I have to take a break. And Brian, I'm going to come to you after the break. I know you're waiting there a while. Brian is a landlord and I want to speak to him after the break. Brian, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Brian? How are you doing? Not too bad. So, where do I start? You're a landlord. <laughs> I'm a landlord. You evil man. Yes, and I left the country purely for many reasons to do with topics you discuss all the time. And uh, to start off with the first topic where you mentioned about uh, tenants the right to stay. I mean, if you bring such a bill, I have to say, as a landlord I have now, I'd be, I would first thing I would do is get out. Because mm. one of the reasons I left Ireland, because... I cannot make money in Ireland being a landlord. I have a normal job, job 12-hour days. This is a pension for me later on in life. For the last 15 years, I would say that I've invested into it versus making money out of it. So I'm not making money. So the way I look at it, and to concur with Maliki, is that 
if you have a mortgage, and let's say your mortgage is halfway gone, with, uh, let's say you earn 2,000 euro, you lose half in a tax, half in a mortgage, so you make nothing. So, and then you take all the hassle of the tenants and all the, the trouble. Well, you, well, you, are, well you are making something in the fact that at the end of the 25 years of the mortgage, you will have, you know, your capital You will have there. an asset, correct. Yeah, absolutely. Correct. But you must remember, in the last, let's say, three months, I had tenants leave two houses. And they didn't pay their last month's uh, rent. They just, they ran away and they left the house, both with tons of, with say, rubbish in there. And I had to spend at least five to 10,000 in both houses to bring it up to rent it out again, which, again, I can claim some back, but it takes eight years for me to get my money back. That's not a good investment. And then... Um, but you know, do, you, do you believe that landlords have... Uh, do you believe they don't have enough rights in Ireland? Do you believe the tenants obviously have more rights than landlords? I'm renting here in Germany right now, and it's much fairer. And I say much more equal. Right now, I think it's completely... And what are, what are the differences, the obvious differences? Right now here, if you rent, you get three months deposit. In Ireland, you have one month, which means they run all of the, the last month thinking they just they lump the landlord, whatever, all the problems, and the landlord has nothing to fix. He's broken oven, his fridge, or all the damage. And can you so, chuck them out as easy as you can over here? No. Here, you, here even Ireland, you can't chuck them out because what happens if he doesn't pay? You go, you give him a letter saying 14 days notice, and then 28 days again to tell him that they must leave. They're leaving anyway, they, and then if they're longer than six months in the house, they're going to have more trouble to get them out. So it's, it's very difficult to get them out in Ireland. Okay, so um, and you believe this is discouraging landlords from actually wanting to rent in the first place in this country, which is all part of the problem, because landlords are being painted as these evil men with, you know, long cloaks correct. and hats on them. Yes, when I was asking the tenant to leave because I was selling the property, I thought about the tenant, instead of giving them the normal stuff, I gave them triple the amount of time to give them time. He comes back to me and says, oh, I'm having trouble can you give me my deposit back? I agreed to give half back. As soon as I did that, he didn't pay the rent and he took the money in rent. Okay, well, 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 stay there for a second and Robbie, please stay with me too because Irene disagrees with all of you. Irene, you're on Classic Hits. How are you doing, Irene? Hi, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. No problem. Maliki, unfortunately, is gone. He couldn't stay on the line oh, because really? he's, a busy, he's a busy solicitor, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> but in saying that, Irene, you disagree with him but you also obviously disagree I, with Brian and, and Robbie because they kind of agreed with Maliki. Well, what I, what I want to say is, I think it's an, an outrage that uh, Maliki, is there Maliki? Maliki, yeah. Maliki, yeah. Can you go on the radio and say that the Irish young couple can't afford to save for a house, you know? And well, I, I agree with him, so you can give out to me if you like. What you said now, please, 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 for a second. You're Selena and I'm You take Selena as you do. Yourself. No, no, I know. I don't want to use Selena as an no, example. No, no, no. no, no with with great respect, Irene. Irene, she's not here today, so it's unfair to use her as an example. All right. So you use somebody else as an example. Renting, right? How are young people to save a deposit when the rents are so astronomical in this country? They need to grow up. Excuse me. What we're out against in this? What I'm out against in this country is vulture funds. We have Chinese people coming in here buying massive houses. Germans. Americans, our country's been sold off bit by bit. And then what you're having is Dublin City now, as you know, we both come there, it was a great city. And what's happening to Dublin City is a disgrace. You know, because people. What's happening to Dublin City? What's happening to Dublin City, to me, it's just all. Rent is accommodation. No but that's the way it is. I mean, the days of diddly idle and communities. Now, but, but hang on, hang on, Irene, with the greatest respect. No, 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 no. If I could just say to you, the days of the community in the centre of a city, a metropolitan city like Dublin, are gone. 
times. I'm making no, no, but I mean, it's changed. Yes. London is the same. You have to rent. Most places are rental. Nobody can really afford to buy a place in London. You go to Manchester, any of the big area, any of the big cities, Berlin, Paris, everywhere is rental. I accept that. My but Dublin is just is, catching up. Is he, that man is renting in Germany, right? Yeah. That's fair to yes. just say, okay? Over here, what's happening is people are renting, working very hard. That generation between 28 and 35, just take them, because they're the people that get lost in this system, right, who is working. And what's happening to them is now, they're doing hard work, they've no chance of saving for a deposit, right? And I don't agree. I, I, I don't well, well hang on, Brian. Brian, just respond to that very quickly. I don't know how much time we've gone. You, if you want, they want to I'd live in the expensive parts of Dublin. If you move out, you can buy, and there's nothing wrong with buying in outside outskirts and bring okay, it down. And there's nothing wrong in, when I first bought my let, first house Let him house finish what he's saying, Irene. Yeah, okay, I bought sorry. my first house at 25, and I lived in a small box room. I rented yeah. out two rooms, big rooms, to afford a mortgage, and I worked my way up. And I've been we working my way up for years. That's the way. No, but I think, I think very quickly, because I have to go, I'm running out of time, that, that what, he's, what Maliki was trying to say, uh, I think everyone would agree with me, is that there are young people in this country, you know, between the ages of, say, 22 and 30 years of age, who are given out that they can't afford to buy a house or they can't afford to save a deposit, but they still want to keep the lifestyle that they have. They still want to go out drinking at the weekend. They still want to go off on two holidays or a holiday, have two cars in the garden. And he's all he was saying was that people come into this country from other countries, they work their arse off, they live on very little just so they can save enough money to buy a house very quickly. But Irish people, we don't all do it. We, we don't all do it, Irene. I've seen classic examples of people who want to save for a house but are not willing to suffer the sacrifices of doing that that we all did if I go back to when I got my first house. Okay, well, you can think it's an outrage, Irene, but I've seen, I've seen lots of examples of that. And, you know, I think Maliki is 100% right. Not all of the time, but I think I've absolutely seen examples of people who want to save for a house, who want a house, but are not willing to put up with the sacrifices. Sorry, Robbie, didn't come back to you. And thanks very much indeed, Brian. I appreciate you coming on the air. Uh, and also to Irene as well, even though maybe I didn't agree with you. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.